Hey, I'm Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and in this episode, I'm speaking with Coran Woodmass from the FBABroker.com, and Coran helps people buy seven to eight figure Amazon businesses. In this podcast episode, it's very jam-packed where Coran and I specifically talk about how quickly Amazon FBA multiples grown within just a one-year period, and you'd be alarmed at how quickly they've grown those multiples and how much a business may be selling for a year ago compared to what it's selling for now. We also talk about the different types of FBA businesses and which one could be best for you. And then we talk about the categories within Amazon and how to use those as leverage And then we talk about FBA due diligence, everything from accounting to logistics and inventory management to marketing and single source dependency and risks that can be involved with that single source dependency within an Amazon business itself. So this is such an incredible episode. If you're either wanting to buy or even start an Amazon business, you'd be crazy to miss this episode. It's dead set value packed. Enjoy. Today's episode is brought to us by Niche Website Builders, which is a company a few of my clients are using and have used for content creation and link building services. They do everything from start to finish, so from keyword research all the way to uploading your completed article for you. We've also had Bob members buy ready-made affiliate sites built by Niche Website Builders. So if you're looking to outrank your competitors' content and build better backlinks, Niche Website Builders and I have a special deal for you. Head to nichewebsite.build forward slash Bob. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. But again, that's www.nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. Do you want to start investing in websites, but don't want to drop $20,000 or more on your first investment? Check out Odis, where you can buy premium age domains to build a website on and add Odis done for you affiliate site package to help you grow your website and get seen. Instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority, buy a premium domain with built-in authority, great SEO, and fresh quality content for your website. Head to odys.link forward slash Bob podcast to check out their great deals. That's odys.link forward slash B-O-B podcast. Link will be in the description too. Hey, Coran, welcome back to the Bob Podcast. Thanks for having me back, Jared. Yeah, I'm excited for this chat. I went back and had a look at our last podcast episode, and I mainly mention this for everybody that's listening now. It's, it's episode number 51, and we talked about some really cool things. We talked about like why you got into FBA and, and selling FBA or brokering FBA businesses and some common things people you know, fail to understand buying FBA businesses and a little bit about FBA due diligence, but... In this episode, we're going to cover more. We're going to go a bit more in depth and we're going to talk about some different types of FBA businesses. But before we get to that, what's been happening? How has business changed for you since our last sort of episode? And I think it was probably just over a year ago. Yeah, the market's changed massively. <laughs> There's been a lot more capital move into the space, as I'm sure you've seen, as uh, it seems to be press releases every couple of days now of yeah. companies raising hundreds of millions of dollars to go acquire FBA businesses. So, the buyer competition is very heavy right now. Great time to be selling an FBA business. Uh, not necessarily an awesome time to start buying them, but we'll get into uh, yeah how to think about that today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that because like, it's it is important for people to know that like the multiples are going up, right? Because we've got people that 
are in have bigger hedge funds, bigger portfolios, putting a bunch of capital together and, and doing big group buys. Like, how is that playing out? And when did that sort of start? And what sort of growth have we seen in you know acquisitions on FBA businesses since that started playing out? Yeah, so I guess maybe three and a half, four years ago, the first group started saying we're, we're going to raise $100 million and go buy FBA businesses uh, in the last six to 12 months because of a couple of successes and public successes of this business model. There's been hundreds of companies go and raise capital. Uh, one report I saw recently said there's almost $4 billion of capital. I think that's actually an understatement. It's kind of hard to know exactly how much capital there is and it mm. moves so fast. Yeah, there's, there's people that have come out of stealth mode, people we're talking to that aren't public that have raised a lot of money. There's public companies in the mix. There's just a lot of capital looking at this uh, business model for a number of reasons. But yeah, the, the multiples as supply and demand dictates, the multiples have increased, which which is good for us, uh, we're sell-side advisors. So we like that we're getting our clients better results. But yeah, as an investor, you need to, you'd really need to think about your strategy here. And if you're paying a higher multiple, doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It just means you need to have more leverage on your your team, your strategy, your structure to actually make those multiples work. Otherwise, it would be less attractive. Yeah. Let me give people an example and give that context. If you're a buyer of an FBA business, you want to have leverage in terms of skill set and know-how and experience in growing that type of business in a different way, say maybe off Amazon or adding a different arm or being able to perform better on PPC campaigns or optimizing Amazon listings to to utilize that leverage to ensure you can try and scratch back that multiple <laughs> at that multiple a bit quicker. So I know that people are listening and they're like, they're shouting at me saying, Jared, you got to ask him what were the multiples two, three years ago? And what are we looking at now? Like average. And I know that we'll talk about different business models, like different types of FBA businesses, but like on average, what are we sort of seeing? Yeah, this really depends on size and category. We could probably talk in general terms. We did some market research. I think we talked about this last time. So this was up to about a year ago. Multiples were something like 0.4 to 1 times revenue as a benchmark, basically, which is a, a pretty big range. Now, we haven't done the same revenue multiple. The main reason we don't have this data is there's... Our market data that we've been tracking for five years is past deals. And what we're looking at right now is there's so many deals being done this quarter that we haven't really been able to capture yet. And what we're seeing on deals that we're marketing right now are vastly different. So just for round numbers, if you look at an SDE multiple, which I know most investors look at that back in the day, you could have got something for two to three times. Now you're looking at probably four to six times SDE, for example. Yeah, so almost doubled in what the space of three years. Yeah, it's, most of that's happened in the last year, I'd say. In the last year, year, year and a half. Crazy growth. That is crazy yep. growth. It's just like a business that was maybe a million is, is you know can sell for two million now. If somebody had a held onto it for a year, that's huge. That's something to to note. So definitely, if you own a FBA business, <laughs> something you can just you can consider there. So yeah, I want to yeah, talk absolutely. about due diligence here now. Before we jumped on, you know, you knew that I wanted to talk about due diligence, and you had something to say. What was that about the due diligence? 
I said, mate, this is going to be boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, I agree. It's something that we do pretty regularly. And I think that it can be boring, but it's pretty critical as well if you're going to buy a business. And then you also mentioned that there's different types of FBA businesses that some people may not actually be aware of. And buying an FBA business isn't for somebody who's just walking in off the street and it's their first type of online business acquisition, right? So can you sort of explain the different types of FBA businesses so people can have a bit more clarity on them? Absolutely happy to. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I, I think you raise a good point. If you're just starting from scratch with, looking at different online business models, I wouldn't suggest an FBA business be for everyone. It's not a, a catch-all type business. It, compared to other type of online businesses, it's a very active business model. And in fact, if you're not looking to acquire for growth, um, as you mentioned at the top, growing outside of Amazon, investing more capital, expanding the product line. If you're looking for something more passive, so buy and just hold and enjoy the earnings as is, this isn't really the space to do that, especially if it's an Amazon dependent business. That's a really bad idea. We'll get into more of that later with the diligence pieces um, that I can, can share with everyone. But I really do want to talk about the different types of business models within the FBA world or FBA banner. So if you were to line up 100 FBA businesses side by side, you'd see a lot of variation between the types of businesses. Main reason for this is FBA stands fulfillment by Amazon. So essentially you're sending inventory into Amazon, they handle the fulfillment for you. So you sell on Amazon, you might sell on your own website, Shopify or whatever, and they'll fulfill for you as well. So they do essentially third party fulfillment. So that's the mechanism, (laughs) the logistics of Mm. handling, moving the product. That doesn't refer to category that they're in or the business model. So there's a lot of different business models. There's dropshipping, which is less and less common these days because most manufacturers are selling direct on Amazon. But there are some dropshipping business models still about. Um, Essentially, it moves into more wholesale because you you have to send your inventory into Amazon. Um, So maybe you're selling a large branded product and you've got a, a margin on it. So you're sending it into Amazon. That's one type of business model that probably has the everything else being equal, probably has the lowest margin out of any of the business models. And then there's very active business models. And um, you may have heard of these where um, there's this whole groups of people that get really excited about retail sales and you know, your local Costco or local Walmart or something might have a sale on deodorant, let's say, and you go buy a bunch of deodorant and send it in or the business owner goes and buys bunch of deodorant sends it into Amazon. So they're, they're competing for the buy box and they're just retailing these products, but they need to source supply every single time they do this. As an investor, you're probably thinking these first two don't actually sound that exciting. Um, I'd agree with you, unless you love hunting retail bargains and have a lot of time, that's probably not a great business model. The next type might be you're retailing. So you do have supply, um, you're buying at wholesale and, and retailing that product on Amazon. Now, if, if you're the sole supplier of that product on Amazon, that could be quite interesting because you have defensibility. And um, the thing that you would want to worry about there is the manufacturer coming in and selling direct on Amazon, which Amazon is out there actively trying to get big brands to manage their own 
account on Amazon or helping them with that, right? So this business yeah. model is very much end of life, I would say. So that's yeah, the, it's got the some next risk. Time. And also that business model doesn't have, or that seller doesn't have exclusivity. You're literally competing for the buy box. So it's a race to the bottom, usually based on supply. So you've got to compete just for someone to click buy your product. You, you see this a lot in book categories where you, you try and buy a physical book and there'll be a bunch of sellers. It'll say this price and then available from 200 other sellers. And you can go down and look at all the prices, right? So that's mm. a, a competitive based environment. Again, look at the history of the business for that one to see if it's a, a fit for you. But these are all fairly active and uh, risky business models, meaning that longevity could be a real question mark. Mm. The next type, which is the most common, actually, and what everyone kind of thinks of when they think of an FBA business is uh, private labeling, so or white labeling. So you, you see that coffee mugs are selling well, and you create your own coffee mug, your own branded coffee mug, or a unique take on a coffee mug, and you start selling them. So you're the only seller that sells that product. And it's your brand. So it's Jared's coffee mugs. Yeah. And that's the type of business model that we mostly deal with is it's your own branded product. And then alongside or above that, you have patented proprietary products. These, we've actually seen this not be super defensible because oftentimes you can get a patent on a very everyday product and people can either just tweak it a little bit or create their own kind of design. And then it doesn't really <laughs> create a lot of defensibility. So I'd actually lump that in together. So, and then you have categories on top of that. So do you want me to just pause there or do you have any questions on, on the business models before we go into categories? Yeah, yeah, thanks. That's great. I think it's good to just like break down those those business models a little bit, especially the one that most people think is most common and highlight the risks, like you said, is you've got a product that you can design, you can get it designed in China. There's a lot of people that will design coffee mugs or whatever it is you need and you can put it on the market and then you, if you don't have a, a big bank account or financing to be able to scale PPC ads and put that product up the top as quickly as possible, then it's easier for competition to come in and, and squash that because it can be very quick. And even Chinese manufacturers are doing this themselves. They're making a coffee mug and they're seeing that it might do well. They've got the now the experience and the money to be able to come in and decimate your product and use the same product with a different tweak to their mold and, and put it on and, and crush it on Amazon. And this is my thing with Amazon is, you know, the competition is, is incredibly fierce. The one thing that's really good about Amazon is that it's great for entrepreneurs that, or people that are beginner entrepreneurs that don't know anything about sales and marketing because Amazon have their own built-in audience, their brand, and those people that are on Amazon are going there with intent. And that's a key word, intent to buy. So, it's good for a beginner, but I think people just throw like just don't even know the risks that are associated with it. So I really wanted to highlight that one, and that you can do drop shipping through you can do drop shipping through um, you know fulfillment by Amazon as well, which is which is cool. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we move on to categories? No, I think that's there's a lot more that'll tie into diligence, but I think we'd probably want to focus more on white label, private label um, type yes. business models for diligence, just to make it easier for us to get a little bit deeper and be more useful. 
So what are the categories we got? So then outside of the actual business model, there's a million and one categories on Amazon. And the reason I mentioned categories is the most successful buyers we've seen of FBA businesses have category focuses. And they, they focus on category for a number of reasons, mostly for leverage. So let's say you want to dive into the pet niche and you have some leverage in that space or you, you acquire one brand in the pet niche. Now you've got a foothold in that niche. You understand it. You can maybe understand the customer. Maybe it's focused on dogs and you get another one that's focused on cats or something like this. You can actually start going deeper into that niche and vertical. And that's one of the most successful strategies we've seen from buyers that come back again and again is they're looking at specific verticals. What you'll see as well, we report about this in our market data as well, is different categories have different benchmarks. So let's say apparel, for example. Apparel, not everyone's the same size and shape, of course. So typically an apparel business will need a million different sizes. So you're needing to hold a lot more inventory than say a supplement company where you can get really good lead times. Maybe you're producing in the US and selling in the US. Um, we've had companies that in the supplement space that have anywhere from five to 14 day lead times. So they hold very little inventory. They can turn it really fast and sell through. Whereas if you're an apparel business and you're producing in China and you need a lot of sizes, you'll need to bring a lot of inventory and, and sit on a lot of inventory for a long time. So it depends on your investment strategy, but that's something with categories to understand is what are you really looking to do? And this may be in the same breath, maybe you have experience in apparel and that, that's easy for you because you understand it. That's a competitive advantage. So yeah, that's something to think about with categories. Not every category is built the same. Yeah, I think that's great that you've mentioned that using like say I have experience, if I was to have experience in categories, I have an advantage. And what we were talking about, advantage is the same thing as leverage that we we're talking about before. And I can see that people that are in the pet space go, well, there's an FBA business here. Let's buy an FBA business in the pet space and go, well, our leverage is that we're doing really well with dogs and we understand the wants, fears, frustrations, needs and desires of those pet owners of dogs, which is going to most likely cross over to cats and we can, you know, sort of replicate some of the things that we're doing within the pet category. And I think that's understanding where you can, I'm glad you said categories because what I pick up here is like for people to understand where they can find leverage in what they already know or are already doing if they already own a business. So thank you so much for the explanation of the different business models and the categories. Let's dive into some of the things we should be checking with in due diligence. Now, there's so many things that we can do throughout due diligence to check. But what would you say some of the key things are? And let's stick with let's stick with private labeling and our own sort of our own sort of products on Amazon because I know a lot most people are going to be thinking about that when we talk about FBA. So what are the, some of the things that you're checking or people should be checking in FBA businesses on due diligence? Yeah, so I guess the easiest thing is if it's an Amazon specific business, super easy to find revenue. It's in Amazon literally. You can go look at all the metrics from Amazon. So the stuff that's in Amazon, you can get someone to help you with this super easy to verify that yes, they're selling, the products are good, you can see the star rating, you can see the seller rating, that's all public, right? Even before you get in behind the scenes. So 
high level check how are they ranking how are they reviewed that's very basic to do um, the next thing you want to do when you're looking at, at verifying a business is cost of goods um, unfortunately a lot of the courses that teach you how to sell on amazon do not tell you how to account uh, run accounting and finances in your business so <laughs> nine out of ten business owners do not know their cost of goods landed cost of goods they, they have no idea so this is something that you need to work on unit costs shipping logistics you need to piece all of be prepared to piece all of that together and mm -hmm. if you don't understand this get a consultant involved and learn it yourself before going to get into this business model <laughs> this is that's a great cool that's a great piece of advice this can mean the difference yeah this can mean the difference between a profitable business and an unprofitable business even if the reported earnings are one way or their their own numbers show a certain thing once you go through uh, we've seen this numerous times where it looks like a great business on the surface you get into the numbers and the real unit costs the real cost of goods the real operating costs of the business and it's actually unprofitable so that's quite common in this space because no one knows the numbers <laughs> yeah there's a guy that has been on our podcast really nice man his name's isaac smith and he helps people understand he's like a virtual cfo and helps people scale their e-commerce businesses with accounting and it's a big big thing it's really really important especially if you're trying to scale something that you don't know how much it costs and what your cpa is and all that sort of stuff so i'm glad that you highlighted that so we've got understanding the high level of public information is the business does it look good does a brand look good reviews and all that sort of stuff are they selling products and how many and then we're looking at accounting where would you then go next once we've once we've understood the accounting and say for example the numbers check out where would we what other risks would we be looking at identifying so sales and marketing how are they actually marketing the business so what's the history on the business and how have they grown the business especially if there's a lot of reviews and um, there's a lot of tactics around reviews and manipulation of sales and ranking that can be done. So getting the seller to walk you through their sales funnels, what they're doing, what they've done in the past, what they've tried, what's worked, what's not, and, and verifying using the financials for those questions as well. If you see extra expenses, ask what they are. Often they'll be tied to something that they're doing to market the business. Not all of it is bad. <laughs> you just, you're trying to understand what they're doing. But there might be some red flags there to say, hey, we're, this is a, a strategy we used. We don't do it anymore. Or you might not be comfortable with that. Obviously, Amazon's rules change all the time, similar to Google and SEO. They're constantly updating how they view rankings. So this is something, this is a constant moving target. So even if it's okay today, it may not be okay tomorrow and you'll have no warning. So getting comfortable with marketing strategies, understanding the risks of Amazon themselves, which is probably the biggest risk in buying an Amazon business is Amazon themselves. And in some of the larger, more competitive categories, it's not uncommon for the listings to be, product listings to have problems three, four times a year, every year. And that one of our clients has cost them a million dollars to their bottom line every year because Amazon just messes with these categories on a consistent basis. So there's something, you know, if you're not prepared to deal with Amazon, if you don't have experience in that, if you're not willing to learn it, you don't have, don't want to bring someone on your team. Yeah, you better get fast moving on off Amazon stuff uh, really quick to 
cover that downside. So yeah, how they're actually marketing the business is a big piece. Um, looking at the trends over time as well, you mentioned PPC before. And um, PPC, again, a moving target. I'm, I'm a firm believer that Amazon is going the way of Google AdWords in the beginning was super basic. And then it became more granular, more granular, more granular. The number one reason they do this is to make it more complex and have find more opportunities to charge you more. <laughs> also, there's competition coming into every category, as you mentioned at the top. So looking at the trend lines, month over month, year over year, you can see, and in most cases, you'll see PPC costs creeping up over time. So if you're seeing revenue increasing, but profit declining, look at those line items, look at advertising, look at marketing spend. That's usually where you'll find those increased costs. In some cases, maybe the seller's just not focused on it. Maybe they've got some automated tools and they haven't tweaked it in a while. Maybe, maybe not. You know, maybe there is legitimate competition in that space. Yeah, I'm so glad that we touched on PPC and opened up that can of worms because like you said, it's it's heading the way of Google and I'm not sure if you've heard of it. He's another Aussie. He lives down the road from me. His name's Adam Hudson and he's been on the podcast and he talks about how similar Amazon PPC is. He's got like 14,000 students that he's taught to to start Amazon businesses. So he's got a fair few clients and has a, a few Amazon businesses himself. And he talks about how similar the PPC in Amazon is compared to Google. And I've also had Mike Rhodes, who's agency from Web Savvy, and they manage tens of millions of dollars in Google ads, saying that Google is heading that way where if you start using smart shopping campaigns, you just put your money in and eventually you give Google your credit card and they'll just run your ads for you. And it'll charge you, end up charging you more money. It'll make you sales, but you don't for those people that don't want to learn how marketing works, it'll end up costing them a, a little bit more money, which I can see Amazon being one of the biggest or if not the biggest business in the world is definitely heading that route as well. So we've got high level publicly looking at things. We've got the due diligence on accounting, due diligence on marketing. What about logistics and inventory management? How important is that and what are some of the things that we should be highlighting for people that are getting into an FBA business that are thinking, oh, yeah, Amazon's the way for me, but they don't actually know what's involved? Yeah, oh, it's, it's easy. It's all done for you. You don't need to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So this is critical when it comes yeah. to um, comparing businesses as well. I'll mention one thing on logistics and supply chain with inventory. Uh, you want to look at inventory turns. So how many times a year is inventory turning? And the reason you want to look at this is this is ROI. So one of the most interesting parts of an FBA business is, is the return on capital of inventory, not just mm. the multiple you're buying the business for, but the inventory. Oftentimes it can be 30 to 50% net margin or gross margin on the actual product itself, the inventory you're buying. So the faster the inventory turns, the faster you're turning your capital. In some cases, you might see a business that has a year's worth of inventory sitting. That might sound great. And unless they're getting amazing terms, that might not be the most optimal way to run the business. You, like I mentioned before, a supplement business with a local manufacturer might be able to have shorter lead times and turn the inventory faster. So you're actually, you're turning your money over a lot quicker than if you have really long lead times. So that's something to consider. How much cash do you want 
parked in the business, how much cash do you have to park in the business, not just looking at the cash flow. Because with an inventory-based business, you need to invest in inventory to get that return. The flip side is if you do it properly and you're watching your numbers after owning it yourself, you can actually make a really good return. So that's critical. Knowing where the supplier is, who they are, looking at the cost terms, is that transferable? Is there a backup plan? You know, we've, over the last couple of years, there's been a number of tariff issues with China and America. That's all been political, but actually hit the bottom line of a number of businesses. So what's the political environment where you're sourcing products from? Uh, we've seen a lot of businesses sourcing outside of China, let's say, so in India or Eastern Europe or something like this. What does that environment actually look like? If you don't, if you've never been there, you don't understand that environment, take a look at it. Is that something you're comfortable to, uh, to deal with? Do they speak English? Can you communicate with them? We've actually had on a number of occasions the uh, buyer engage consultants to go and, and review the facility. They send, it's fairly cheap to get this done. There's a number of services. They go and take photos, you know, see if it's an actual factory. Sometimes it's not. So go and, go and see. If you can't go and see the factory, get someone who can and get some evidence that this factory exists and you're happy with, with the conditions and the situation. So making sure that they're a real supplier, there's longevity, there's a backup plan and you can transition. That would be the bare minimum that you'd want to <laughs> do. And yeah, that's also currency. Currency right now could be a, a thing too, right? So the US, well, after the pandemic that we've just been through, that, that's a real question mark too, is how is currency changing? And do you have a contingency plan for currency? That'd be something I'd be looking very closely at right now as well. It's crazy that, and it's alarming that when most people come to the let's make money online space of like, oh, okay, I want to start my own business, it's Amazon's the, the go-to. And it's, and it's crazy because there's all these things that is not user-friendly for a beginner. And just like little things like you're saying that people may not even pick up like, all right, is it a good supplier? Is it a legit one? But... I look at single source dependency in business all the time and that's not just single source dependency on revenue from one source of Amazon or traffic from one source of Amazon or Google Ads or whatever it is, but single source dependency on a supplier that people may not have even thought about when you just mentioned that. And I've got an e-commerce business where I have backup backup suppliers in case my main supplier, if anything was to happen, then I can go, all right, cool, I know exactly what I need to do to be able to get inventory straight away. There's there's a lot of moving parts for, a, for an Amazon business, right? Yeah, absolutely. Some of the recent examples, the pandemic itself impacted global supply chains. So not just your supplier, but logistics as well. Also, we've had clients that have had impact from environmental practices. It, so in China, everyone thinks they kind of do whatever they want. Maybe, maybe not, but their supplier was actually shut down by the government for pollution reasons or environmental reasons. So you always want that backup or a contingency plan of some sort. And if there isn't one in place, help them. I would ask the seller to help you source alternate suppliers. In diligence on a number of deals in the past, we've had requests from the buyers to source help find similar suppliers in other countries. 
So when the tariff issue was really big, our clients were sourcing out of China, they had actually looked at Cambodia for their mm. type of product and they'd already got samples. So the buyer was like, oh great, can you introduce us over here and maybe we'll get some more samples on this new product and see if see what the, the quality is like. And it also looked like it, can, it could improve margin. So that's something interesting as well. Asking the, the seller, this is on the supply chain too, asking the seller how you could improve margin. Can you order more? Can you do sea shipping instead of air shipping? If you have more capital to deploy, maybe you can get better terms. You could also get better or better rates. You could also get better terms. So often sellers don't even negotiate with their supplier. Can you, mm -hmm. can you come in and negotiate with the supplier? This is probably something for after diligence, but it's worth asking if the, the seller knows it's worth at least understanding that the risk is there and what they could do to reduce or minimize it. And I, I want to talk about something that you brought up before of, you know, you've had a client that they lose a million dollars in sales a year because of Amazon do something. And I've got a client in my mastermind, I think it was about a month ago. He's like, yeah, I'd lost $25,000 today, Jared. And he owns an Amazon business. And it's a common thing. It's pretty standard. You say, you say it happens three to four times a year for them. And so that's the risk of being reliant on Amazon and ensuring that your product is live and all that sort of stuff. So what are some of the things that can happen on the Amazon platform or with Amazon if you have an FBA business or a listing on Amazon that can prevent your listing being live? Or even being able to sell product through, no <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or even you know being you know Amazon doing stuff with the inventory to that can prevent you from making sales. So what what would be some of the the main things that happen that you can't control? Yeah. So for better or worse, Amazon's very customer focused. Which as an Amazon, I'm a heavy Amazon customer myself. I think that's great. You know, it's super easy to deal with Amazon, super easy to return, etc. But they, they will take the customer's word first and investigate second. And the, the customer could actually be a competitor, which happens a lot. As you said, manufacturers literally selling on Amazon, again, competing against you in some categories. So there's no filter for that. It's mostly done with artificial intelligence and yeah, it's mostly AI, so it's looking for keywords and things like that. So what happens is Amazon will shut off the seller, the seller before they investigate. There's no, oh, hey, we got this complaint, let's talk about it. It's They shut you down. And sometimes it's temporary. Sometimes you have no recourse for days, weeks, months in some cases um, to get that information back. So you really want to have a game plan from the get-go of, okay, what do we need to do? And the easiest way to do this, if, you've, if you're buying from someone that's already set up the businesses, get a, a track record from them. And you can actually use Amazon for this because there'll be notifications in their seller account, right? So you can go through those notifications. You get, and you, just for people listening, you get, what um, we get our clients to do. access to that, right? Like you get viewers access to their Excellers account when you're mm -hmm. doing due diligence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely get uh, Seller Central access so you can go and look at all this stuff yourself or get your consultant to jump in there and take a look and give you a report. But you know, what we get our clients to do is whenever they have issues, say in the last 12 months that have 
especially if it's impacted revenue and sales. We get them to do a timeline. So when it happened, uh, what they did about it, how long it took to review the issue, have they had that issue again, what would they do next time? So a plan of action. And if there's been, so the client I mentioned before, that happens three times a year, they're actually different things every time, but they have a very set, okay, here's what we do, here's the next step, here's what we do after that. And even with those plans in place, uh, they've been down for two, two to three weeks, right? We had another client that tried to update their listing, right? Make an adjustment to their listing and it, it froze the account. <laughs> The phrase of pause the listing so they couldn't actually sell anything. It was a top seller right in the middle of diligence, actually. So you want to keep an eye on that before uh, making an offer and during diligence, but also have a plan of attack yourself. How are you going to manage that? And hopefully by what we're talking about here, I would say to, to run an FBA business, to buy and run an FBA business yourself would be a nightmare. I would want a team to come in with me, with experience, to run the business. They can also help you with diligence, right, if they've seen all this stuff before. But um, the short version is Amazon will, will shut you down temporarily or permanently at a whim, on a whim, just for no reason. There's a lot of talk about this online. So if you're coming in, I would view a single FBA business acquisition as probably one of the most risky online businesses available or pro online business propositions. If you're looking to just maintain the cash flow and look at it passively, I would say it's a really bad idea. The only way to do it is to grow. And the number one thing for growth is off Amazon. So how do you grow the audience off Amazon? Maybe you can go buy, there's a lot of affiliate sites, right? Um, we talked about this last time, I think, the Amazon associate affiliate income has been cut in a lot of categories, if, if not all categories, and it's constantly mm. being tweaked. You can go and buy these affiliate sites or content sites around your target market and promote your own products. Yeah, for example. exactly. So that could be one way to do it, or you could build it yourself. Yeah, I've got a client that wants to buy content sites so he can do the same thing with his Amazon business. So say somebody is dead set, like I need to own and Amazon, I need to own an FBA business, I'm gonna buy one. And they've got, say, either they've got experience or they know people who run or operate these Amazon businesses. Where do we go to, to buy one from you, Coran? Coran, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. So yeah, we, we focus on seven and eight figure deals. So most of, if not all of our deals are a million US plus. So if that's the range you're looking at, um, you can go to our website, thefbabroker.com and fill in the buyer criteria form. So you can you can see, let us know what you're looking for and when we get a deal that's a fit, we'll, we'll reach out. We also have Market Watch Monday, which is also on that form. You just tick a box at the bottom. Every Monday we send out an email with all of the new listings every Monday that are, have an Amazon channel. So you'll see a lot of million dollar, it's, again, it's million dollar plus deals, but worldwide, so whoever has it, any brokerage, any individual seller, whatever we can find is, is in every Market Watch Monday. Then Centurica, which I'm sure you, your group would be familiar with Centurica, they have a Market Watch, again, that you can sign up for. It, I don't think it's quite as extensive as ours because you need to basically apply to be in it. But that is a good resource as well to find a lot of uh, a lot more deals than just say signing up for one broker. So those are the two things, and they don't have that million dollar limit. They'll 
they'll promote everything. So you can sign up for emails. I get email alerts on FBA businesses there myself. So like we're constantly monitoring to make sure our market data is as good as possible. So yeah, Chris and the team do a great job over there. Yeah, they do. Chris is excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Wow, what an episode for people to go through again and digest. That was just jam-packed full of value. And thank you for coming on. And I'll be putting the links in the show notes for everybody as well. So check them out and I'll see you on the next one.